Hey guys, it's Tim. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is offering listeners of this podcast a free book and a 30-day free trial when they sign up at audibletrial.com slash productive ministry. Audible has over 180,000 titles, which can be listened to on your iPhone, Android, MP3 player, or Kindle device. Check it out at audibletrial.com slash productive ministry. Episode 20, Cultivating Creativity with Jared McDaniel. Welcome to Productive Ministry, where it is our goal to help pastors do the things they have to do so they can do the things they're called to do. Today's guest is Jared McDaniel, who currently serves as Creative Director for Sea Life Church. He's a funny guy who's passionate about cultivating a culture of creativity in the church and in his community. Guys, it was a real joy to have him on the podcast because he really loves what he does, and his passion is contagious. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why the church and artists sometimes feel at odds with one another, how the church goes from being a major cultural influence to a poor pop culture imitator, and what it takes to cultivate a culture of creativity in your church. Without further ado, Cultivating Creativity with Jared McDaniel. Our guest today is Jared McDaniel, who is the creative director at Community Life Church. Welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. You're you're creative director at a church, and I'm not sure that a lot of churches have creative directors. So could you just briefly tell me what it is that a creative director does in a church? It's a really cool position, actually, uh, in a very general sense. Uh, I foster creativity and get to initiate collaboration. So when we're thinking of what are creative elements that we want to have in a worship service that's going to enhance the message or the worship, when we're thinking about things for social media that we can do online to just be creative and point to events and point to the message we're trying to get across that week, uh, I really get to oversee all of that and foster that. And specifically, uh, my field of expertise for a while has been video. So I do a lot of video projects and get to head that up and do a lot of editing and just fun stuff like that, really. That sounds like, if you're into that, that sounds like the best job you can possibly get. It really is. It's a a blessing that this job exists (laughs) and then I get to do it. Yeah, and you get to do it in a church. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So it's not just, it's like one of those times where passion can meet calling and it just works very well, so... I think it's really cool that you do that. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm glad to see that there are more and more creative positions at churches out there because uh, it's such a cool marriage of two things I think should be married together. Do you feel like in the past though that that maybe even still now in most churches that create like creativity and the arts and the church don't mesh well together? Oh, definitely. I, I think there's. There's been a stigma for a while of if there's going to be creativity, it's put in a box, which is kind of the opposite of creativity. Mm -hmm. But I think the church um, 
I don't know, I think ministers, we can just be afraid of creativity and afraid of what that means. And so it has been not conducive to artists and people that really want to express that creativity and think outside the box. And so, yeah, I think there's been a fear of that for a long time. And so I, I think that's a big part of why you don't see positions like creative directors and things like that. Also, I think sometimes pastors don't see the need for that. And, you know, if you're a smaller church and you're not going to have a huge staff, obviously you're probably not looking at hiring a creative director as your second staff member. Right. Uh, but I definitely think as churches grow and are trying to really uh, just get the message out there of the gospel, I think it's important to look at creative ways to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that just when you said like presenting the gospel specifically, mm-hmm. I think that we've tried a bunch of creative things over the years as I'm going back through my whatever. I know like the five fingers of salvation, right? Yeah. I don't know if you know that. And then you like get to the sin finger and it's a very bad finger. <laughs> and Or like the bracelets, the, yeah. the red and green and, and black leather bracelets that everybody was doing. Sure. But it seems like we, we take like arts and crafts and creativity and, and plays and we kind of relegate those to the youth area of a church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I d- definitely know what you mean. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, not, I'm just going to be quiet. I was going to make a comment <laughs> about the, the level of artistic, you know, prowess of preschoolers, but we don't have to talk <laughs> about that. No need to insult the kindergartners this morning. No, they but do I- very, That'd be very good. I know what you mean. And I think uh, one of the things that used to be the case, I mean, so many years ago, I feel like art and the church, I mean, the church was the the trendsetter for art. And you go back and look at time periods like the Renaissance and true artistic excellence was being created in the church and through the church. And really it was influencing culture. And now I feel like, we out of fear or whatever have it, the tides have turned. And so at best churches will maybe try to emulate what culture is doing or like you're talking about art is turned into just, well, if you can get some popsicle sticks and lead some kids in a craft project, well, that's art and there's a place for that. And that's great. And if it instills, you know, some kind of artistic calling in these young kids, that's awesome. But to bring art back to a place of excellence, I think, is so important. And that's important in the church. And so if we don't encourage artistic excellence, even in the church, we're going to push artists away. And they're not going to take seriously what we're doing. And the scarier thing is they might not take seriously the gospel message if everything we do seems like a cheesy kind of you know, art instead of some really cool, amazing art that's out there. You right. know, I, I even think about movies and the movie industry. And for a while, I think there was this idea that if you, if a Christian was going to make a movie and it was going to have an uplifting message, it had to be, quote, a Christian movie, you know. And so you got a lot of kind of B movies with low production costs that right. were okay, but... I think there were probably Christians out there that said, hey, I just want to make a movie. I don't want to label it a Christian movie, and I want right. it to be as excellent as a, any other Oscar contender. And I feel like the church maybe 
told them, hey, no, don't do that. You need to make, quote, Christian movies. And somewhere maybe excellence gets lost in all of that. Well, and I think I think that there's this intention, right? And so you find that a lot of a lot of Christian movies are very gospel centered, very gospel oriented. They're just really different expensive ways to present the gospel. Sure. However, having said that, one of the things that I think that we have to realize as Christian leaders is that the hearing the gospel is not the summation yeah. of the Christian life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely. So, um, and, and presenting the gospel is, is super important to what we do. Uh, people need to know that Christ died for them for their sins. And because of that, they have access to God. Um, and you know, they can rest in Christ and, and be saved by him by, by grace through faith. And all of those things are, are super important, but sometimes I think, I think that, Creativity, uh, creatively, the church has just gotten stuck there. Oh, yeah. And the gospel can be, I mean, such a literal thing, because obviously there's a literal gospel. We can read it written out in scripture. And so because art is not always literal, it's you know often very free-flowing and there's interpretation with it. But I think we de- the church can devalue art that doesn't literally present the gospel, you know, exactly like this. It walks them through Romans Road, and if it doesn't do that, that art doesn't have value in the church. And I think that's such a wrong view of art. And again, you're putting it in a box, and art can communicate the gospel, and it may not just be in a literal way. It may just show someone the depravity of sin in some way, or the need for a Savior, or how God's love uh, is shown to us. I mean, just some of these elements, it may point to those without having to literally communicate the entire gospel in one piece of art. I'm trying to think in my mind what a painting about the depravity of sin would look like. Yeah. May I? <laughs> do you think, do you think that at your church, they would maybe would paint that picture that they would just put it up in the, yeah, we might need to filter that. That, that may not have been the best opening. <laughs> so, okay, so, but you know, like, don't just go out and paint the depravity of sin. Start with something. Start with God's love. Paint that. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back to the beginning. You know, I. You know, I'm a lover of art myself, and and I have to say that, like, that level of creativity, that level of expression, that level of honesty, speaking in the arts, whether it's in in music or in movies or in, you know, painting or sculpting or any of the crafting that goes on to be, to be that open, uh, that takes a lot of courage. Sure. Um, when you're thinking about cultivating creativity in your church, do you, do you find that you're having to make difficult editing choices are there times where you feel you, you need to be more brave or you need to back off more? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a balance. So many things are just about finding balance and not going to one extreme or the other. I mean, I've definitely seen uh, churches and ministries that are like, hey, it's just all about expression. Do whatever you want. Just you know, let it go. And obviously, I've seen churches that completely stifle it. So just finding that balance and asking yourself, okay, what enhances what we're trying to do? If, if it's a worship you know, service, are you 
doing something that's going to help that worship service overall? Are you trying to force something in there that doesn't belong or something that um, isn't even necessarily bad, but it's just going to distract from the overall message you're trying to, to do? I mean, if everything is, I look at all this stuff as storytelling. So what is the overall story that you're trying to tell? And are certain things distracting from that? And I mean, yeah, there, there's tough editing calls sometimes. There, uh, I love writing funny stuff. I think that's one of my uh, fortes is mm-hmm. comedy. And again, I think there's a place for that in worship services. Some churches don't feel that way. But I think when you can disarm people with something funny and help them to just kind of relax for a second and feel comfortable, especially somebody that's never set foot in a church, that maybe that just instantly takes the edge off of where they were feeling very uncomfortable. Uh, there's a place for that humor, but especially in that arena, I think we have to be so careful and say, okay, I, I don't want to feel all stuffy, like we can't laugh at ourselves and have a good time, but you also you know, don't want to be you know, rated mature on HBO right. for your, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's totally blue humor. Skidamax this morning, <laughs> 9 a.m. soon. Yeah, you don't want to be that. So it's a balance and it's just deciding, okay, I mean, the last thing you want to do is offend people and turn people away uh, when you're about to show them the love of Christ and point them to scripture and all of that. So there's definitely a balance. I just think, uh, you know, you Hopefully, the really tough decisions, you know, you you can pray through that kind of stuff. And I believe the Holy Spirit guides us even in stuff simple like you're writing a script, you know. That's something Mm -hmm. that if we listen to the Spirit and we feel something in our spirit that tells us, hey, this is, yeah, don't put this in there. Uh, I think we need to heed those warnings. I want to talk about storytelling. I mean, that could be a lot of different things. Immediately, what I think about is testimony. Yeah. What what methods of storytelling do you use? So you mentioned the testimonies, uh, and I love I love that there is this uh, movement of calling those story videos or people sharing their story because I think that's such a cool way to describe that, and that's really what it is. And I think it helps set the tone for what you're trying to do with a video like that. Um, So we definitely do a lot of those. And it's just the idea of what I love about that process and calling it a story video is from the moment I go to talk to that person or those people that we're going to be interviewing and we're going to be capturing their story, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it as this is a story. And so I can sit down with them and I'm trying to hear their heart and see what what is the story here? What has God done in this person's life? And the cool thing about our stories, people's stories is they're never cut and dry, black and white. They're messy and Mm. nobody has arrived. So the ending isn't just, and they lived happily ever after. A lot of times the ending is, Hey, uh, you know, I messed up a lot, but I'm trying and God has done this in my life. And I'm still not perfect, but I'm trying. And so um, it's just cool to see those kinds of imperfect, but point to a perfect creator stories. And so that's definitely a, a big part of the stories that we tell are, are people's stories. 
and getting to just interview and try to be as real about those as possible. There's other types of stories, like I said, whether it's something we're just trying to do a funny thing to make people laugh. That's a story, just telling uh, you know, a fun tale that just makes people smile. Whether it is trying to present uh, an actual scripture story or whether it's just trying to be an illustration for a sermon, uh, all of these things, I consider them stories because you are trying to get a message across. You're trying to set the stage and tell tell a tale that people can follow and connect with, and it resonates with their heart. I've you know I've been to a lot of church in my life, and you know that's not a complaint. I really love church, and you see different ways that churches are trying to to share testimony as part of their service. Um, And sometimes it goes off really well. And there are times where it's just really uncomfortable and really terrible. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure why that is. And so I guess I just want to ask you, how do churches get that right or wrong? Yeah. Honestly, the biggest mistake you can make in this whole thing is to try to rush this process. And I think a lot of churches, they just think in their mind, hey, go set up a camera, record Joe over here, let him just stare at the camera and tell his story. You know, you hit record, you stop it, and we're going to go put it on the screen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously that's not going to come across as well as you would want it to. But if there's time, first of all, if there's time, uh, you know, I like to have just a full week at least to just talk with the person, to have been able to sit down with them, interview them myself, you know, whether that's actually going out to lunch with them or just having a long phone conversation. So I've already built a rapport with that person. That's important. There's got to be time for that. And then when it comes time for the actual filming, uh, you know, what we call B-roll, I think is the greatest savior of (laughs) these kinds of story videos. And that just means don't just film the person, you know, straight on the whole time, get some footage, almost some documentary style footage of maybe them living life or them at the park with their kids or, you know, them reading their Bible, things that are going to tie in to the story that they're going to tell that hopefully you already know the gist of because you've interviewed A picture of a plastic bag blowing in the wind. (laughs) A single tear rolling down a cheek. Stuff like that. A fence on the countryside. (laughs) Do all black and white, very artsy. (laughs) But no, these kinds of things where you can just cut away to something interesting it helps. It helps enhance the story. And I, there's no, I mean, secret formula to that. It's just a, a, an expression that helps enhance the story you're trying to tell. And I think yeah. if you take the time to do those things, do them right, you're going to come up with a really great story that was worth the time that it took to make. That's really good. One of the things that I've noticed as I'm thinking back is that those times where it just seemed really bad was when it was basically like open mic testimony. Oh yeah. Where somebody, you know, a pastor heard like, Oh, this person has a really good testimony and they thought, Oh, well let's just get them up there to share their story. And this is the first time they're going through it. And oh, it's yeah. 35 minutes long and it's a little heavy on the sin and not enough heavy on the grace. And 
Yeah, listen, um, the beauty of video editing is we can edit all, you know, we can edit <laughs> 30 minutes to one minute. It's not fun, but, you know, we can do that. Open mic, there's no editing. It's all no editing. It's Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and that, that just really, that it takes like a really great idea and it kind of loses its magic or loses the potential to save lives just because people are human and they want to, tell their story the best that they can, but every story needs editing. Yeah. And then on on the other side of that, that I see that we run into is you tell somebody, Hey, I want you to share their story. And then, so they go and they script it out. I mean, like word for word and whether it's live or on video, they just want to read, you know, this paper. And so I'm Mm -hmm. always encouraging people, Hey, it's great to write out your story because I think that will help you stay on task and not go chase rabbits and be 45 minutes long, but it loses that personal touch if you're just sitting there reading a piece of paper. So write it down and, you know, help kind of know where you're going with it, but then throw the paper away and just let it happen, you know, casually. Yeah, absolutely. I did that my first sermon. I'm having a flashback. (laughs) My first sermon, I was so scared that it wasn't going to be long enough. I was told 30 minutes. I was like, I need to write everything down so I don't forget it. And so I wrote this manuscript, not knowing how long it takes to to preach a single page of paper. Yeah. Right. And so I wrote what I thought was like, you know, 30 minutes of content. Ended up being an hour and a half. Oh, and everybody wow. hated me. Yeah, it was terrible. I think so, you were using 10-point font. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I was. No double spacing. Hey, guys. It's Tim again. We're taking a quick break to tell you about Audible.com who's sponsoring the podcast this week. Audible is offering a free book and a 30-day free trial to all the listeners of Productive Ministry. To sign up for it, you can go to audibletrial.com slash productiveministry. We're recommending the book The Way of the Heart by Henri Nouwen. This is a book that we talked about right before Lent when we did our devotional episode. If you've been wanting to check that book out, well, now's your chance to listen to it for free. Sign up for a free trial and download The Way of the Heart by Henri Nouwen for free. Thanks. Now back to our show. So when you're working at a church and you're, you're a creative director, a lot of churches, you know, don't have that position. So if they're wanting to add some creativity in their service, what should their process be? How do they approach that? How do you approach that? Well, first of all, I think... All churches, there are creative people there, whether they're on staff or not. There's people uh, that have gifts. And so it's just about identifying those people and, and saying, hey, let's let's get a brainstorming think tank together with some people that I think have, would have some really good ideas and get those people together and just start uh, collaborating. I think uh, I cannot tell you how many pastors – I've heard say something like, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body or I'm not creative. I just don't think that way. And that's that's great. There's a lot of people that feel that way. But start surrounding yourself with creative people, even if they're not on staff. Start finding people that can challenge you in that way and can show you kind of the creative side of things. So that would be my advice to churches maybe that aren't in the position to hire this and wouldn't be, you know, having a creative director anytime soon. But mm-hmm. the, the the key to just fostering creativity, I think, is collaboration. 
It's find a place where you can get some creative people in the same room and just let them brainstorm. And there's no no condemnation for bad ideas. It's just, mm-hmm. man, let's just talk about things. Let's just try to think outside the box and uh, just let meetings like that happen. And there may be some meetings where literally no usable idea comes out. But you know what? After you got all those out of your system, maybe the next meeting, some amazing ideas come out. Or maybe one of those bad ideas just needs to be tweaked a little bit and it becomes an amazing idea. So I would say collaboration is so important with just being willing. Even people that maybe, maybe you have a staff of people that don't consider themselves creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe you just haven't challenged yourself in that way. And so if you get in a room and say, hey, we're just going to brainstorm some ideas. And again, there's no judgment on them. And let's just talk about things. I mean, I'm such a fan of co- the collaborative effort and that style of leadership and that style of just teamwork. I think that is where creativity is born and where it flourishes. Right. So when you're planning a service, do you start with the sermon or do you start with the worship? Great question. And different churches can do it different ways. Um, the way we do it at Sea Life, we we have our series that we're talking about. So we know uh, what the message is, what we're trying to convey to the people. Um, the worship leader, typically he uses that to help inspire him and what songs he's going to choose and Some of them will be more uh, directly related to what is being talked about. Some of them, it's just more of a, you know, this feels like it goes well with this. You know, this has a certain feeling to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so those things are happening. And then we have the benefit of having, we started a few weeks ago, where we're actually having creative collaboration meetings separate even from our service planning meetings, which is where we kind of plug in all the details in those service planning meetings. But the creative collaboration is, hey, we sit down, we know what the message is going to be about this you know, week, maybe a few weeks out. We know some of the worship and we just start talking about, let's just brainstorm any ideas we can come up with that can enhance this message. And we just let stuff come. And we have a lot of laughs because of a lot of funny, silly, ridiculous stuff we come up with, but then something will be said and it just, there just are moments where in the room we'll just all look at each other and say, wow, that's a great idea. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it always feels good when you're the one that has that great idea, but it's even cooler when you share a great idea, people jump on it, and then maybe this guy over here says, oh, what if we did that with this? And you start to see them take ownership of the idea and it's, morphing and turning into this cool thing and it's this team effort that's it's just really cool to see that and I love one of the things I've loved so much working at Sea Life is it is so collaborative in that way and I've got to work on projects where I'm just a small part of the big picture but we're all working together and not only in the brainstorming process but in the actual follow through of creating that. And so maybe this person's composing music and maybe I'm working on some sound effects over here and some visuals that are come on the screen. And maybe these musicians are coming in and they're going to do this. And and this guy's got to sing at this moment. We're timing all this stuff right. And the technical crew's working on this. It's just cool to see this team effort where we're all working together to do that. So that's kind of the end result 
that begins in just this brainstorming. So do you approach the the worship service as a story? Like this is this is a s- story that you're trying to tell, like you're taking people on a journey and this is where you want them to end up. And the sermon is part of that and the worship is part of that and then we add elements to help them go there. Yeah, definitely. I uh I view so many things like stories, but I definitely mm-hmm. view the worship service as a story. I uh, one way I would look at it because I'm a big fan of just TV shows and most serial television shows uh, have a a certain theme to them, and there will be like an overarching arc for that season or whatever, and that's kind of the big story. And so over the course of the whole show. You know, there's this big overall arc. And then each episode might have its own little arcs, but in theory, they support the big overall story. And that's kind of how I view a worship service. There's Mm -hmm. one overall story you're trying to tell, and hopefully it's not so convoluted that people don't walk away with a simple application or response in their mind that they're walking from that service with. Um, So you kind of want to keep it simple and direct in that way. But as that story is unfolding, you have these other stories within the story, whether that is uh, a testimony video or whether that is something that supports an illustration, you know, for the sermon. These things help tell that overall story. And I think if you lose sight of that and you just say, let's throw a bunch of things in here and tell a bunch of stories, it does become convoluted. You're not looking at the worship service as one big story and it just feels discombobulated, and it feels like, oh, okay, they just threw a bunch of random things in here, and that was cool, but maybe they walk away more confused than, okay, this is the overall theme, I get it, this is what God spoke to me today. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hate when I hear people, and somebody says, hey, what, what did you learn at church today, or what was the sermon about, and they're kind of scratching their head, and they're like, well, I think he talked about this, and I think this happened. Oh, and there was this skit. And and it's like they didn't walk away with some simple thing that they could wrap their mind around and say, oh, yeah, today we learned, you know, that God forgives and we learned the importance of forgiveness. And so that to me, that's a win. When somebody walked away with a very specific application or understanding, you told the story right. Would you, I don't know if you guys recommend or follow any kind of outline, like every story, you're writing a paper, right? When I'm writing a paper, the standard form is I have an introduction, I have three supporting points, and I have a conclusion. Oof, now I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> you remember that. You're, oh, I have to take a standardized test. No, um, no, nothing like that. But does it help to think of uh, a sermon that way? Are you are you thinking of it in those terms necessarily, or does it is it not that specific? It's just more in general. It, it can be that specific. I mean, I think there's lots of different ways to approach it. I mean, it's kind of like just what is your philosophy of this going to be? Um, but I mean, with anything, I feel like there's an a quote introduction, which is just whether that's the exposition of, hey, I'm just setting the stage. I want them to understand this. The preacher goes up there and maybe instead of just jumping right into, you know, John and just saying, here's what Jesus said, you know, if he's laying out context, if he's saying, hey, here's what we've been talking about this series. Hey, here's, 
you know, what Jesus was doing and why he was addressing this subject right here. He's laying down context. He's laying down an introduction to prepare that. So that happens literally within the sermon itself. And I think just within a worship service, you're wanting to introduce them to a theme, whether that's, hey, we're opening up with a song that's going to kind of draw people in, but it may not be our most interactive song of the whole time because we're going to work up to that. These are all kinds of the ways of thinking. If you're thinking of this as a story that you're introducing, that you're doing this exposition for, and then, of course, there has to be an ending. I'm one of those that thinks, hey, whatever happens in the middle, as long as you you tell the story you're trying to tell, go for it. But obviously, there has to be a in the beginning, and there has to be an ending. There has to be an amen. So you, you know where you start, and you know where you're taking them. And as long as you get where you're going and you don't confuse them along the way, uh, I say that's a win. Yeah, I think that where most people are struggling when they're when they're approaching this is with the flow of the service because there's a lot yeah. of times where the where the worship leader, you know, and we I've talked about this on you can to our fans, you know, you know, you've listened to the worship stuff where we're talking to like Will Warfel and, and Tim Jenkins. And we're talking about the flow of worship service and how like the worship leader will do like his little mini sermon mm-hmm. um, in in the service and then like end with the saddest song that he can think of. <laughs> and then the preacher gets up there and opens with a joke. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, flow and flow transitions are so important. Yes, they are. Yes, they <laughs> are, man. Yes, they are. Do you do as a creative director? Do you get to have those conversations? Are you sitting down with like the worship leader, and you're like, you know, we don't need them crying at the end of <laughs> worship every week. That's not, or or you don't have to open with a joke every time. Yeah, luckily, I have not had to have any of those uh, kind of conversations. We we have a really good team and. The most important thing is that people just work together. I mean, when it really goes bad is when your worship leader's on an island and your preacher's on an island and they may come, you know, they get in their little boats and come together for maybe five minutes to say, hey, what songs are you doing? Oh, okay, you know, see you later. And then there's, you know, they haven't really collaborated or tried to work together in that way. And so, yeah, you end up having a worship leader that's, they're just doing their thing and Preachers doing their thing and it doesn't really mesh together well and it hasn't really been thought through in that way. Or maybe there just isn't somebody that's looking at the the big picture. Right. I think you always need a big picture person that can take a step back and say, hey, we're not just looking at the sermon. We're not just looking at the music. Uh, We're looking at the whole thing and does it all fit together and does it all transition well? Uh, That, I mean, that may be the best advice to give to, to pastors is, do you is somebody or are you trying to look at the big picture? Because mm. uh, you know, let's be honest. There's a lot of preachers that, whether they would articulate or not, would say, "Hey, we all know the most important thing is you know the preaching." And there's worship leaders that say, "Hey, we all know the most important thing is the singing." And so, in their mind, they're just they're running the show in those directions instead of saying, "Hey, take a step back." And instead of saying one or the other is more important than the other. Look at the big picture. Look at the big story. It does this all fit together and work and flow. I'm trying to think of what most conversations would be like between the the senior pastor and the worship director as they're planning a service. And in my experience, for the most part, most of the churches in the United States are small churches. 
you know? Um, so the conversation is mostly the worship pastor will send an email and be like, what is your scripture? What is your sermon title? Um, and what is like your thesis statement? And then the pastor will write that back and that'll be it. Like that's the whole yeah. conversation. Uh, yeah. I think that's super common. I think that is what happens mostly. And, uh, you know, there, there's such a, a balance to this as well. Cause I think the wrong way of taking this is a pastor could hear this and think, Oh, I need to be more involved in the song selection. And so then they come in and try to micromanage everything that the worship leader is doing. And that's, that's definitely not going to help your situation. In fact, right. if you, if you have hired a worship director that you have to micromanage the whole time, why did you do that? You know, you need yeah. to put people around you that you can trust to do their job and then let them do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you collaborate. Yeah. You talk together. Yeah. The, it should be so important for the worship leader to hear pastor's heart. What, you know, beyond just here's the sermon and here's the key passages. What is your heart for this? What are you trying to get across? What's mm-hmm. that theme? And then say, okay, they, they, they connect with that. And so if they're, if they're sharing in that goal, if they have the common goal, they're in one accord, then they say, okay, I'm going to choose songs with that same end goal in mind. And so they work together on that kind of level of the, of the heart of the message. Uh, so that that's so important, but it takes people, it takes mutual respect and trust and it takes working together and, and collaboration. Yeah. And even in, in small churches, I think especially in small churches, absolutely that's so important. And I'll say to, to my church leaders who are listening right now, I know you have a lot to do. I know that you're, you get overwhelmed with all of the things that are going on. Your sermons, your worship services are never going to get better if you're planning them two days before you need to, to execute them. You know, you, you can't have these, these, you can't have these conversations the week of, um, and expect to be able to raise the bar and the level of creativity. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say to you, uh, especially you preaching pastors or you teaching pastors that it's going to take a lot of a little effort, maybe a lot of effort up front to think about what you want to be speaking about for maybe just the next six weeks. But then once you do that, you're six weeks ahead and you can already be sharing those ideas with the creative people in your church, with, you know, your youth pastor, your children's pastor, how can, can they do something to enhance that service or with your worship leader? Can they do something to, to enhance every service? And, um, Sunday morning is one of those rare times where non-Christian people will come to you intentionally seeking God. And because there's an expectation there, they know that if they want to, to get involved like that's, that's a place that they can go. And that's, you know, they're not going to be walking up to you in Starbucks, you know, asking you to, to, to give them a message about the gospel, <laughs> but they do on Sunday morning. And, and you have this incredible opportunity to, to encourage people and to, to do all those things. And I, I would just encourage um, my listeners to, to, to think about how important that service is and what's at stake. 
not only for your church, but for the lives of, of the congregation that, that go to your church and for the lives of people who will just stumble into your church. And then is it worth the effort? Is it worth the time? That's my yeah. question to you. Yeah, so, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's right on. I mean, I mentioned about the story videos earlier and just how important time is, but I think you're absolutely right. Creativity and just excellence in general takes time. Yeah. And so if you're doing stuff last minute and thinking, well, why don't we have more excellent creative elements and why isn't the service going as well as I'd hoped? And I mean, the answer is time. You need to give it more time. So what's the, uh, what's the craziest thing you've ever tried? Oh man, what's the craziest thing I've ever tried. I, I mean, in if church, you want to just, Jared, in church. Oh, in church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about crazy, I mean, pretty much everything crazy uh, comes from youth ministry. So I've done a lot of projects <laughs> in youth ministry. Where, I read your bio and it says that your, your job description was to dress up in a gorilla suit and scare children. Uh, that is true. Actually, that that is uh, actually how I met my wife. Believe it. <laughs> I, I wasn't in the gorilla costume at this time, but we were filming a video where, for whatever reason, to further the gospel, we were filming a video where someone was dressed in a gorilla costume and jumping out and scaring people around the office, and it was just kind of like a a prank video, I guess, just mm-hmm. to to make people laugh and. Right. Uh, so I was running around with a camera, and I, I ran in and hid behind this copy machine, uh, just like a doofus. And so here I am hiding uh, while there's a gorilla somewhere running down the hallway. <laughs> and I look up, and there who she was volunteering, making copies, is this beautiful, elegant woman. And uh, here I am crouching behind a copy machine with a camcorder with a gorilla running around. And uh, I think I just looked at her and said something like... Uh, this isn't as weird as it looks. <laughs> and, uh, and, it was, and she was instantly in love. <laughs> yeah, not quite, but uh, I somehow overcame that first impression. So, <laughs> But I've done some crazy things in, in youth ministry. I mean, I, I like not only being behind the camera, but being in front of it too. And so I think you got to be willing to not take yourself too seriously, dress up, be a crazy character, you know, uh, we we did several videos a while back, and I had created a character named Johnny Power, mm. and uh, just super nerdy, high pitched voice guy. And I thought it was the dumbest character I'd ever tried to do. Uh, in fact, I think we were doing like a parody on those. I don't know if you remember those balance or power bracelet things. They were oh, they were yeah. so popular a while back. So we were kind of doing a parody on that. And I was like an infomercial salesman. And of all of these stupid characters that I've created over the years, that one stuck for some reason. And people kept saying, we need another Johnny Power video. Get that guy in. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of blackmail material on YouTube of me nice. dressed as this guy called Johnny Power. So You know, we're definitely going to include some of those links in the show notes. Oh, great. I'm so just, glad. Just a sample <laughs> of your work to inspire creativity. <laughs> This is one of those rare times where people – we're just going to tell you where to find him so you're not Googling him all afternoon. <laughs> there you go. Let my embarrassment be your inspiration. Yay. <laughs> what would you say to people who, who think that all of that stuff is excessive and unnecessary? Yeah, I would just say there's 
I mean, I guess you could make the argument that all creative creativity could be, quote, unnecessary. Uh, but I think some of the most beautiful elements that point to God as a creator uh, is creativity, is going out there and taking risks and doing things and trying new stuff and sometimes just making people smile and making people laugh. I mean, my my greatest inspiration for creative ministry is just going back and looking at Genesis and looking at, hey, God was creative. He was a creator. And I believe part of what it means when it says he created us in his image is he gave us the propensity to create. He gave us this desire to be original and to try things and to make art and all of that. And so I think that to just flippantly dismiss that stuff and say, oh, it's not necessary or, oh, it's excessive. Uh, I would say on on the contrary, I I think it's essential for you to try these things and open up uh, your worship service to new creative elements and new fresh ideas and get new people involved. And and all of this stuff is going to bring new life uh, to your service, especially if you've gotten stale and kind of a, you know, we do the same formula every week, man, try something new. That stuff isn't unnecessary. That stuff is essential. That's how you mm. you live. That's how, you know, you, you adapt or die, so to speak, you know, just learn these new things and figure out new ways to be creative. Great. So what if you don't have a bunch of fancy equipment? Man, we, what do you do then? we live in such a cool time where, I mean, even a few years ago, I think, you know, you had to have so much more money to do this stuff than, than you do now. Um, editing software is so much more accessible now. I mean, there's, there's still stuff that's free out there. Or you could, if you're just getting started, edit something in iMovie and find other just free options of video software out there. But even the professional stuff, I mean, Final Cut Pro is what I use the most for doing editing. And I mean, it used to be over a thousand dollars just to get this program, and now you're looking at two ninety nine ninety nine, which mm-hmm. I get if you've never spent money on this kinds of things. It's still several hundred dollars. Sounds like a lot, but I mean, you're talking about a lifetime of videos you can produce from this one time payment of software. Uh, they've got. I love Adobe's got the Adobe Cloud stuff now. So even if you can't throw down a chunk of money on on a single program. You can pay 20 bucks a month and use Premiere through Adobe and do your editing that way. So there's so many cool options now for software where you don't have to just throw down $1,000 and it's going to last you forever and you can get somebody to edit good quality stuff. I mean, there are movies that are made on Final Cut Pro and you can have access to this exact same software for $300. Yeah, and, and the same with Premiere and yeah. cameras. I mean, the the beautiful thing now is they've got DSLRs that you can use pretty much just as a video camera. Yeah, and so you could go find you instead of again spending thousands of dollars, go get you a, a Canon Rebel or something like that, and you're just looking at a couple hundred dollars, and you get that and one of these programs, you're set up to make great videos. And you didn't even spend a thousand dollars, and you can make them for, you know, for years. Yeah, and in my experience, like uh, 
cell phone cameras have come so far. Oh, yeah. You struggle with sound quality on those, so you have to figure some stuff out. But the, the cameras themselves are, are better quality on your phone now than, like, actual cameras were even five or six years ago. You and know? That, that is so true. And you can buy lenses for your iPhone now. And yeah. so, you you know, you, you can basically have a set of lenses and do different things just with your iPhone. And I think that's such a cool, for both photography and videography, that's such a cool new arena for people to work in and do art in. And there are, there are other things other than just video making. I know you're biased towards that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, that's my area of, of expertise. Yeah. So, but you know, there's like, uh, lots of different things you can do in your service. But I think it all boils down to, like you said earlier, you have to, you have to intentionally seek out those creative people and you have to empower them. Doing dramas, doing skits from the stage. Um, I don't even like calling it skits because that kind of cheapens what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but to, to present some type of theatrical story or performance up there. I mean, a lot of times that's not going to cost you anything but time and just finding the right people. And doing stuff like that adds such a cool element to what you're doing. And honestly, again, if it's fear that keeps us from doing these things, I would rather a church try doing a skit, try doing a drama, and it just bombing and just going really bad. But at least they tried it. And now they know next time what they would do differently. Uh, We've got to be willing to fail on some of this stuff, to fall Mm. flat on our face and say, oh, yeah, we tried that but it didn't work so great. I mean, I'm a perfectionist, so I hate the idea of making mistakes and failing. That's the beauty of, of editing things. I can yeah. pretty much get as close to perfect as possible. But the truth of the matter is mistakes are some of the best things we can do because we learn and we, we take risks and maybe next time we're a little less afraid of falling on our face. So yeah. just try things. I mean, try Think outside the box. Try something that I couldn't even think of. You know, do something that is just new and fresh and amazing. And it doesn't necessarily have to cost you any money. Mm-hmm. You know, set design stuff I think is so cool that that has become more and more popular in churches to say, hey, let's build something on the stage that really complements what we're talking about. And there are the whole websites dedicated to just that. Yeah. And to doing that inexpensively, too. Yeah. With plywood. Yeah, so. plywood and chloroplast. You can do anything. You can just build whatever you want. <laughs> plywood, chloroplast, and some sheets. Well-placed That's right. sheets. That's, That's all right. you need. And boom, stage is set. Hey, we have some well-placed sheets right now at Sea Live, and I think it looks great. So, <laughs> ah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so what is what is like your? Is there a dream project that you have? Or something that you would like to try, hopefully, in the near future? Yeah. uh, So my dream right now uh, really goes along with what we've been talking about. Um, But I'm wanting to build a creative ministry, a creative culture, uh, not just at Sea Life, but really just within the community. Um, I want to create a place, basically, for like-minded creatives uh, where we value community over isolation. I think it's so easy for the tortured artist to just kind of go off on their own or maybe the person that loves art but hasn't really, you know, they've got a nine to five job and they don't really 
know of anyone else they connect with. I want to create a community, uh, you know, through the church where these people can gather together, network with one another, cooperate with one another, just connect. And then through that, uh, you know, through some different teaching and just some different activities and things, I want to help empower them to use those gifts Mm. to, to honor God and just to make the world and the church a better place. And so yeah. that's really what I'm trying to start uh, here at Community Life is a, a creative ministry and really to draw these people in and to just to minister to them and help them minister to others. Um, I, I think it's such an important thing that we empower our, our creatives and we help them have a sense of connection because there's no lonelier thing than being creative and having this gift and feeling like God's wanting you to use it, but you just don't know how, you just don't know where, you don't know if there's anybody else like you that has the same kind of passion as you. And so I I want to fix that. And I want to have a community where those people can connect and really feel like, okay, here's other people like me, maybe that share similar dreams and similar passions, and we can help each other. And we can go out there and Maybe even I can help show them opportunities where, oh, here's an opportunity to work with these underprivileged kids and, and teach them art or help paint a mural or mm-hmm. do a poetry project at the park or, you know, whatever. My wife is really, one of her dreams is to work with sex trafficking victims and photography because she's a photographer and to use photography as a way to help them see beauty in the world again, which I think is such a cool idea. And I wonder how many other people out there have like a little dream like that, but they're just kind of coming home every day because, oh, you know, I I worked or I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't know, you know, what else to do with my time. And I want to get them connected and I want to help empower them. Wow. That's beautiful, man. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show today, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Just really powerful stuff. I really appreciate your passion. Uh, I appreciate what you do and and just the the vision that you have for creating a community in that i think that that's amazing yeah thank you i I appreciate you valuing creativity enough to let this be a a big part of the show and what you're talking about yeah well we'll have to we'll have to have you back on once you start that community and find out how that's going i'd love that I love interviewing people who love what they do. I hope that you are inspired to take steps towards engaging the creative community in your congregation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and stories about creativity in the church, so please engage with us on Twitter at Prod Ministry, that's P-R-O-D Ministry, or on Facebook.com slash ProductiveMinistry.org. Today's show was produced by Timothy Jenkins. The Productive Ministry podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are served. Wherever you listen, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. Complete show notes, including links to resources mentioned in this episode, and a link to Jared's character video, Johnny Power, can be found on our website, ProductiveMinistry.org. This has been a production of Rumble Media, LLC. And as always, we hope you have a productive week.